ask us to take up our cross daily, to die daily, God, to ourselves, to surrender, as we have just sung, to you. And so this day, one more time, and every day, God, we come before you and say, this day is for you, as I am yours today. Jesus, as you'd be pleased to, let us be filled with your spirit. God, show and affirm your grace to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. going to today how did you like the uh, hero theme out in the uh, foyer did you notice that (laughs) where are your superhero outfits today (laughs) that's what we want to know today is promotion sunday in the sunday school class or sunday school i mean the children's department and jason's going to come and talk to us about the about what's going on with the teachers and in the children's ministry so that's all i'm gonna do all right well um Obviously, as superheroes, we've got two superheroes right over here. If you look to your right. There, we oh, there they are. There they are. Check there it out. Are. There they are. We are, we are incredible. Celib- it is incredible, isn't it? We are celebrating the fact that Jesus is our superhero. Jesus is our champion. Jesus has defeated darkness. He has crushed the enemy. He's our redeemer, our savior. There's an old song that just simply said, he is. You, ever, you remember that song, he is? Well, that's a good song. You should look it up sometime. I sang that when I was a little boy in church. You can, you can look that up sometime. Uh, but we have Promotion Sunday today, and all the kids are going up to the next level. This is really the beginning of a new year uh, for children's ministry. We're on quarter A, lesson one, and we're ready for the year. I want to take some time just to acknowledge everyone who serves in children's ministry. If you serve in children's ministry as a teacher, an assistant, a substitute teacher, anything at all, would you just please stand up right now? We want to recognize you and thank you and pray for you. Guys, we have the best teachers and the best team working with children. We are a blessed church. Let's give them a hand clap. And if you will, church, would you just join with me and pray for our teachers, for our children, and that God would just bless us through this year and that we would grow disciples. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for all that you're doing at Risen Life. God, thank you for all of the teachers, everyone who serves in children's ministry. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just fill them with wisdom this year, fill them with peace, God, give them direction and clarity when they're when they're talking with these little kids, God, help them to get down on their level, God. And I pray that you would just speak into the hearts of your children, God. You love these kids more than we could ever love them. God, help us to love them well, God. Love them through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, teacher. Yeah. Well, we appreciate all of the labor that all of you put in. But listen, next two Sundays, we're going through looking at finances. And we go, well, there must be money problems. There are no money problems. Not, it's not what it is. You know, it, with our other ministry streams in the Wasteland, we would be called in to preach on finances kind of regularly. And so I'd go to church and teach on finance. And then I'd take the pastor aside after church and say, now listen, brother, this is your responsibility. All finance, all money is, is just another area of righteousness. If we're going to stand up and say, now don't go shooting people, don't go robbing banks, that we, you ought not be doing that, okay, that's an area of righteousness. Don't commit murder. I get it. It is no less an area of righteousness to talk about our finances. And it is the responsibility of the leadership of the church to instruct the church on what the Bible has to say about finance. And it talks about money a lot. And so when we come to you, we're not haranguing. It's not, it's not about us. It's not about the church. This is between you and Jesus. 
And so we want to encourage you to let's find out what the Bible has to say on this and allow him to move in us in obedience in this area of finance as much as in any other area of righteousness. Pastor Robert and myself, we talk a lot about this subject. And it really does start with us personally and how we handle our own finances. It wouldn't be appropriate or fitting for us to teach you from the Bible if we don't practice this ourselves. And I would say, based on hundreds, if not thousands of conversations over many years, uh, Pastor Robert and myself work very hard to follow God's principles in money. And I watch this guy, and he does it. He lives it. The things he's going to say, we're going to say together, he lives. And we've also experienced, and this is a little bit why we're so excited to share this, we have experienced the great blessing in our finances of having obeyed God over decades following his word. And so it is to your blessing and to God's glory that we teach this morning that we would be people who surrender all, right? And underneath that comes money. And so let's be people who say, God, have your way with me. I want your blessing. I want to walk in your way in the area of finances. We're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Turn there if you would. And we're going to look at this in two parts. Finances from him and to him. Everything we have comes from God. We're going to be looking at that today. And then next Sunday we're going to be looking at our responsibility to be faithful and the blessings that he has given us to make sure that we return it to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says, He who supplies seed, so there's him. That's from him. He supplies seed. Who does he supply it to? To the sower, the one who is faithful to put it out there, to give it back. Seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now that word supplies, it's a fascinating, it's made up of three words, a compound word. It's made up of three words, one of which is the, the origin for our word choreography, and it means dance leader. <laughs> he is the one who leads the dance in this. And friends, everything we have, God has initiated every conversation. He is the one who came to us, and had he not revealed himself to us, and he's not revealed himself to us in Jesus, where would we be? We'd have never known him. We'd have never found him. And this includes also an area of finance. He is the one who is the dance leader in this area of finances. So everything starts with him. And we've got to get this one right. This is the basic principle of faith, is there is a God who created, and we are his creation, right? He is God, and we are not. And when he is the creator and we are the created, we owe all things to him. And he is the source of all things. Everything that we have, whether it's life or our salvation, our talents, the resources he's given us is from him. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, What do you have that you did not receive? The answer to that is nothing. Right? I mean, just think about it just for a moment. Everything you have, when you wake up in the morning and you got another day of life, that's a gift of God. I, I mean, it's a regular thing for me to wake up, and I'm kind of like almost surprised, like, God, you gave me another day. I thank you, right? <laughs> I know I don't deserve it. Surely didn't earn it. But you gave me another day of life. Thank you for giving me life. <laughs> you were surprised? Yeah. What were you expecting? <laughs> well, <laughs> I deserve something less than okay, that, I think. Okay. <laughs> Everything we do have does come from him, though. And look, we look at this and we say, no, my, my job, my hard work, uh, I have done this. My hard work has accomplished all this. 
friends, if it weren't for God giving us the strength, we would not even be able to have hard work. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Friends, he's the one who has given us the steadfast love and the faithfulness. And as a result of those, we have favor with God and man. And I love that passage in Proverbs 22. It says, do you see a man skillful in his work? That man will labor before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. When you see somebody that enjoys their job, enjoys their work, I have used this with people in all kinds of businesses. I walk in, I've gone into fast food restaurants, and they're just excited. We were at a Long John Silver's one time years ago. This is in another part of the country, obviously. And the guy was just thrilled to be serving fish. I said, you enjoy your work, don't you? I sure do. Did you know that's a gift from God, that we can enjoy our work? This, too, is a gift from God. We receive everything that we have from him, even the ability to enjoy and be good at our work. Think about the things that are required even to work well, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, you've got to wake up in the morning. That's life. That's from God, right? You have to have a sound mind and of some mental health in order to think correctly to go there. That's from God, right? You have to be healthy enough to go. Health is from God. It really helps if you slept well, and God is the one who gives good sleep to us. So many things are just simply a gift of his. Everything really is. And the ability to work well is a gift of God. And the favor of your employer and your boss and those that reward you for your work, that, the Bible says, is a gift from God. And so we so easily can think, oh, it's all about me. Like, I did it. Like, I'm so smart and so talented and so capable. But everything you have is a gift from God. And I think one of the things God does for us on occasion is take some of these things away from us for a little season to help us realize, oh, my gosh, that was a gift, right? To have mental health, to have health, right? to have good sleep, to have the strength for this day. God takes these things away sometimes to remind us that this is really all a gift of his. And so we owe everything to him because everything we can do and everything we do do in the favor of people comes from God. I know you might not know, this might come as a surprise, but there are some things about me and Kevin that are different. <laughs> like what? I know. <laughs> One of them is, I have never held a job that I applied for. Now, I have filled out some job applications, two, three, something like that. I have never gotten a job that I applied for. The, I haven't had a resume. I, I think I could spell resume with spell check, but I haven't had a resume in 35 years. Every job I've ever had has come looking for me or I have started, started a business or a ministry. And God is the one who has opened those doors to have people come ask me to help or to give me the ability to create a job. That is a gift from God. It's not because of my ability. That's just how God has chosen to work in my situation. Now, Kevin's is a little bit different. Imagine that. (laughs) You know, I look back on um, what God has called me to do in my work, and I'm so blessed and so thankful. Um, Many of you know I was uh, an engineer in my uh, earlier days, and I, I graduated from engineering school, and my 
advisor and professor. His name was Dr. Lynch, which is hilarious in light of what I'm going to tell you next. You should have been in prison. I know. (laughs) But he, I I asked him, would you write a letter of recommendation for me for the companies that I'm applying to? And he said, no, I won't because I don't think I can really encourage anybody to hire you. I don't think you're that really capable. Dr. Lynch, come on, right? Um, so, you know, the best I could do, unlike Robert, is write a resume up, right, and send it out to, I mean, I don't know what it was, 100-plus companies, and uh, one of them was willing to hire me and give it a shot with me, and I think, really, actually, I compared my, <laughs> compared to my jobs with my other colleagues who were graduating at the university, I think I got one of the better jobs, even though I wasn't really very good, so... Um, but this is God, right? It's a gift of God. That's my point. My point is this is a gift of God. Um, and even the day where God was calling me out of secular work into, um, into vocational ministry, I started to feel that stirring in my heart. But it was, it's a miracle to figure out how to transition and get a ministry job, right? And God just did some miraculous stuff and opened up doors and provided a way. And it was like, wow, God, thank you. So it's really clear to me, based on things I've experienced, that God is the one who gives us our work. Out of that comes our success. And no matter how He chooses to do it, it is a good gift from Him. And listen, if it's in your life and it's good, it came from Him. James one says, "Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning." Every good thing from Him comes from Him. And we're going to pray in a few moments. Donna, so thank you for this house. Thank you for the car. Thank you, because every good thing comes from Him. First Corinthians four seven. Now we read part A. Part A says, what do you have that you did not receive? Part B says, Mm -hmm. if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In James 4, he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. When we recognize that everything we have and are comes from the Father, it changes our perspective. It gets rid of that egotism that says, oh, look what I have done. Look at all the great things I have created. causes us to recognize we are, we are, we are, we have received everything you are, and it creates an attitude in us of thankfulness. It's so easy for us to think, I think all of us have a little of this fleshly side of us, but I think for a lot of us, it's, look what I've done. I want the world to see what I've done. I want the world to see what I've accomplished. Uh, Mary and I were in a grocery store parking lot here last week, and uh, as we were coming out, there was this gorgeous black matte Porsche Carrera sitting in the parking lot. And so we, we said, let's sit down and watch who gets in that car. <laughs> and, and, and we start, we wanted to, we predict, everybody walk, is this the person? Right? This was the game we were playing with each other. Is that the one? That, and eventually the person that came out in our minds, like, this is the guy, right? And so he leans up against his Porsche with his phone, you know, and he had like 10 minutes. He's talking on his phone, phone leaning against that beautiful Porsche. You think kind of like, notice me, right? And I think we all have a little of that in us. Like, well, I want, we want the world to notice what we've accomplished and what we've pulled off. But everything is from God, which should then not lead us to boast or brag or show off, but say, God, thank you. You have been so good to me. Everything I am and everything I've accomplished is from you. First Chronicles 29. Riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hands are power and might. Verse 13. And now we thank you, our God. Praise your glorious name. It all comes from Him. And so it's right to be thankful. It's right to have an attitude of thankfulness and praise 
And we can sit back and say, well, I've built a great ministry. Look at all these things we've done in ministry. Paul wrote to him and said, what is Apollos? <laughs> what is Paul? They're servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. It's only God who gives the growth. He, God is the one who sends it. And whoever he uses to be a blessing gets to be the conduit. And the conduit through which the water flows gets wet. Okay? Anytime you're a blessing to somebody, you get blessed. The farmer, according to 2 Timothy 2, the farmer is the first to eat of the fruit. He gets to eat the fruit first. I have some peaches hanging on my tree. I might share some of them with you. Don't hold your breath. But I'm going <laughs> to eat them first. Right? The conduit through whom the, the water, through which the water flows gets wet. God's going to cause the one who is a blessing to be a blessing, to be blessed. But friends, God is the one who does the growth. He is the one who receives all the glory, and we should be grateful for him. I do love that picture with the uh, the conduit through which the blessing flows. There is nothing really special about us in the sense that we have earned or deserve it. It's just him being good to us. And I love 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 26, that reminds us of that. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the world's standards. Not many of you were very powerful. Not many of you were noble. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And so he likes our weakness because it's not about us. He likes to be powerful through us uh, as we surrender to him. But he reminds us, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing, John 15, 4. And so we are simply a conduit of his grace. And what a thrill to be that and used by him, to use, be used by the King of kings and the Lord of lords for his work, to his glory, not to our glory. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 5. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy it. Have you ever known somebody who had it all and didn't enjoy any of it? You know, John D. Rockefeller, they said, well, they asked Rockefeller, um, when will you have enough? What did he say? When I get just a little bit more. Friends, if that's not a spirit of poverty, I don't know what is. He said, the one to whom God has given wealth and the power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is a gift of God. When you can do your work and enjoy your work, that is a gift from God. The Arby's down the hill. Do you ever go to the Arby's down the hill? There's a woman in there. I think she's 137, 138. She's 1,000 years old. She's, she is over 90, however. <laughs> yeah. She works in there and loves it. And she comes to your table and cleans the table, asks you how the food is, how are you doing, are you doing wonderful. She loves her work. Why? Because that is a gift from God, to be able to enjoy the blessings and the provisions that he's given. Even that is a gift from God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes, though, we don't enjoy our work, right? I mean, sometimes we have days, maybe months, maybe years, where we're not really enjoying our work. And so, in fact, Pastor Robert and myself get asked that question a lot from people, like, I'm not enjoying my job, what do I do, right? And here's what we suggest to you. Go work. Right? <laughs> right? right? God has given you a job, right? He doesn't promise you that every day is going to be good, but go to work, show up, and then show up every day, right, which is a pretty basic principle of work, but then look around, but don't stop showing up until you found the next job, right? That's a good thing. So go to work, do your best, but realize you've been given a so much bigger purpose than just having the perfect job. You are there to serve 
Jesus. Whether you're at Arby's or whether you're in the Capitol building or a law office or a teacher or a janitor or whatever you are, listen to Colossians 3, 22-24. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And so wherever you are, even if in a job you don't like, you get to serve Jesus and be a light for him. And that alone will give you enough purpose to be joyful in and that's what God's called you to do. And listen, that you go to work and that you're faithful when you get there is of greater importance than how much you make. If you need to make more, that's fine. Ask God for another job, get busy looking. But in the meantime, if you have a job, here's God's will for you. Go to work. And when you get there, work. You made a contract with that employee that you're going to give him X amount of hours a week. It is right, it is godly to do what you said you're going to do. That, doesn't, that means no longer coffee breaks and no getting off early and nobody's going to notice if I come in a little bit. No, we do our work because that is our witness because we are representing Christ in those places. It is a gift from God. And listen, if every employer, you've, employer you have ever had is a moron who should not be allowed to be in charge of people, here's what you can do. Go start your own business and then you'll find out how easy it is to be excellent, right? No, we are here to serve because we are representatives of Christ. He said in, in Deuteronomy 8, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to gain wealth. Why? That he can confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is in this day. He is the one who gave you the ability to create wealth, so we're faithful in it. It is a right stewardship of the ability that he has given us. And we've been given one little life to live, one little life until an awfully bad day. Us, it's been around a while, hasn't it? We know how fast it goes. Listen, let's not squander that job you have been given today, that you're going to today or tomorrow. Let's use that as an opportunity, an opportunity to glorify Christ in it, to serve Him in it, to make Him great in it, to be a servant of Him. Let's not lose it by squandering it, complaining and lamenting and unhappy. Let's use this opportunity serve him to bring glory to him. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verses 8 and 9 said this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now next week we're going to talk about what we're to do with these jobs, what we're to do with God and what he has given us, right? That's next week. But for today to recognize that he is the one that has given it to us so that we might abound, <laughs> right? For our blessing that we might prosper and use that prosperity to his glory. And so we are to look at all that we have as what God has provided, that he is the one that has given to us. He's a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. It's a good thing that we've been given. And realize that we are but stewards of it. To be faithful, to be responsible, to walk in obedience to him in what he's given us. In 2 Corinthians 9, 9, we have that says, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. If he's the one who gave it to us, then we are, as Pastor Kevin said, merely stewards of his, of his possessions. And it is right that we steward it well. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it is required of a steward that a man be found 
faithfully. And I love that passage. You can't get around faithfully. He didn't say handsome. He didn't say eloquent. He didn't say rich. He didn't say talented. He didn't say all these other things. All he said was, it's faithful. And you can be faithful. No matter how much, how little you have, we can be faithful. And there have been some days when Donna and I have had a lot of not much. Friends, God has been so good to us. And we are thankful that in the middle of the difficult times, we were still willing and able to say, we're going to be faithful with what he's called us to do. And we were. And now we are reaping the benefit of it. God has been so good. We are stewards of the manifold graces of God. And God knows really, really well exactly what you need. He knows the kind of job you need. He knows how much money you need and how much money you can handle and what is best for you. He has, this might be a shock to you, he has bigger things at stake and bigger things in mind than our prosperity. And he has bigger things at stake and bigger things in mind than our financial happiness. What he is more concerned about than all those things is our godliness. And us walking in ways that honor him. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he reminds us that not only has he given us wealth to be a blessing, right? But he has given us everything we need for godliness, including your job. Your job is to help you walk in obedience to Christ, not just to give you wealth. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. See his aim here? Become like him, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. I love those verses. They remind us that the aim is godliness and Christlikeness, what we call real-life transformation, that we're to be people who are transformed into the image of God. And the power to do that in this verse here is his great and precious promises, right? And what are his promises about money, right? If we surrender them to him, he will bless us. And it says in Matthew chapter 6, don't store up treasure on earth where must and Moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up your treasures in heaven where their great reward will be. See, those are the promises that free us from the power of wealth. I don't live for today. I live by his promises, which say when I obey him today, there is blessing in the future and there's treasure stored up for me in heaven. That breaks us from the slavery of money today. And that's what he's after for us. And all things is to make us people who honor Christ and look like him in the way he acts. You know, in the past 30, 40 years in the church, and while we're on the late night discussion of finances and so forth, we have a lot of stuff still going on about repay and claiming. Um, we're, we're supposed to give so that we can get. You know, the problem with that is in a lot of churches, Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the tithe in the storehouses. There will not be room enough to receive it all. But to give to those who ask. For what purpose? To what end? And Pastor Kevin's saying it's not so that we can build a, a, a big bank account and build barns to hold all of our seed. And, 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 and you know, look at the guy and say, ah, you're just that foolish. And nine years old is going to be required of you. The end goal of this is a harvest of righteousness. Listen to what our passage for these next for this two series looks says. He who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. He gives you seed because you've been faithful to throw it out there. And if we're faithful to throw it out, he'll be faithful to give us more. Why? To increase the harvest of our bank account. (laughs) Is that what he says? No, probably not. (laughs) It increases the harvest of our righteousness. It shows our faithfulness and obedience to him. And that's the harvest that he's concerned about. He's not nearly as worried about your bank account as he is our faithfulness in serving him. And his call is always, listen, I'm going to be generous to you. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a lot. Now, what are you going to do with it? No, no, I'm going to be, I want to be faithful to this. Serve the kingdom. Make an investment in the only thing that will still matter a thousand years. And that's the kingdom. Amen? That's such a great thing. You know, he says in 1 Peter 8.10, You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Some of the feudal ways that we were, things that we were ransomed from include the faulty thinking of this is legalism. I have to do this out of legalism. No, this is out of the response to the grace and love and blessing that has been has poured out on us. He invites us into this really he leads in the dance to say, I'm giving freely. Let's do this together. You know, just can't recall um, when people created by God have come near him to reflect him. Who is the greatest giver that is of any being in the universe. I mean, God is the one who gives. He gives first. And we are to reflect that by being people who share, who give. I, I love, as we continue in the verse that Pastor Robert just started, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Right? He didn't buy us with silver and gold, but he bought us with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The greatest giver, God, who has given to us lots of things, but the greatest thing he has given to us is his son. He gave us his son, who paid the price for our salvation by shedding his blood and dying for our sins that we deserve to bear, and he took them on himself. You know, we could fill up this room with $100 bills, right? And I don't know what that would be, probably millions if not billions of dollars. That wouldn't be enough money to buy salvation for even one person in this room. No amount of money can buy our salvation, only the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when we see the cost that God the Father was willing to pay to bring us to himself, understand that amazing gift and that amazing sacrifice it changes our heart about well what is it that i'm willing to do and he who did not uh, he did not spare says he who did not spare his own son how will he not also with him graciously give us all things and friends the very heart of god begins with giving god so loved the world that he gave and he gave and now As we move into a relationship with him, we learn also how to follow in that giving, how to respond to the leading that he has initiated, to step out with generosity and say, God, whatever I have is yours. I'll serve you any way that I can. And you you teachers, you folks who help or teach in the Sunday school department and children's ministry, you're just being faithful now. That's what it is. What ability do you have? Well, I don't have money. What do you what do you have? 
is just being faithful with what he has entrusted to us shows what it means to be Christ-like. God loved us so much that he gave us his only son. But if you'll believe in him, you will have everlasting life. Yeah, God, more than anything else, wants a relationship with us. This isn't about rules and about us following rules. It's about him inviting us into a relationship with him. He paid this price to get our attention. He sent his son to get our attention, God in human flesh. But not just to change how we act, but to be in a love relationship with us. He loved us so much that he wants us to be his child. And he says to us, if we will receive him, we will receive what Jesus did for us on the cross. Trust him as our savior and say, God, come into my life. I accept what you did for me. He says, I will make you a child of God. I will make you brand new. I will give you a new life. And I will give you a new heart that's generous and thoughtful of others, not just selfish. So that's the invitation to us this morning, regardless of where we're at. Let's walk closer to God in all that we do. If you've never given your life to him, we'd invite you to do that this morning. Say, Jesus, please forgive me. Thank you that you died for my sins. I give my life to you. That will change you for eternity. But for all, most of us in this room, we're already Christians. We simply say, God, that's your word. Thank you for it. I submit myself to it. I surrender to it for my blessing and your glory. Have your way with me. In response to his generosity, it's right and proper for us to stop and say, thank you. Mm. We just recognize it. Dear Father, you have been so good to us. Father, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your blessing. God, thank you for your blessing on this people, on this house. God, we want to be faithful to you. Administer the, the goodness that you've given to us well and rightly. Father, thank you for the dance that you started with us. God, we want to respond with the same kind of generosity toward you that you have shown toward us. God, today, in looking at finances from God, we want to be careful to say thank you. God, for the blessings that you've